I have come to the conclusion that one useless man is called a disgrace, that two are called a law firm, and that three or more become a congress. And by God, I have had this congress. For 10 years, King George and his parliament have gull, cullied, and diddled these colonies with their illegal taxes, stamp acts, Townsend acts, sugar acts, tea acts. And when we dared stand up like men, they have stopped our trade, seized our ships, blockaded our ports, burned our towns, and spilled our blood. And still, this Congress refuses to grant any of my proposals on independence, even so much as the courtesy of open debate. Good God, what in hell are you waiting for? Happy Sunday, baby brother, and happy 4th of July 2021. 245 years of mass hysteria. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. um, Happy not actual anything day um, yeah uh, I, guess I don't know happy anniversary of the reading of the declaration of independence yeah but well you know, you know everything's got a life's full of symbols right so i guess this is yeah. as good a symbol as any but it's that two to three o'clock hour on a sunday afternoon which means it's time for the 5654 podcast uh and so this week's uh film which we had we struggled we struggled. Coming, we, we struggled. Which, kids. in retrospect, was really stupid because the obvious <laughs> answer was right there the whole time. Obvious, which is 1776. We're just gonna. Today's episode is just all numbers. <laughs> today's all episode numbers. is brought to you by the number eight. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't that on Sesame Street? Uh-huh. Yeah, the guy would like paint stuff. Yeah. So 1776 is a 1972 American musical drama. Directed by Peter Hunt and the screenplay, as well as the libretto for the Broadway musical by Peter Stone and music and lyrics by Sherman Edwards. Uh, Some fairly big name stars uh, in the movie. Uh, William Daniels, who sang elsewhere. Wow, you're old. Yes, younger people may have recognized him from Boy Meets World. Or you may recognize his voice as Kit from Knight Rider, which I guess is equally as old as Sam Oh, Square. equally as old, yeah. So William Daniels, Ken Howard, Howard De Silva. Uh, Ken Howard was in the television show, again, very old, uh, The White Shadow, a basketball oh. kind of show. And uh, one of our favorite actresses, uh, Blythe Danner, who shows up in weird places and weird roles, but uh, the mother of what's her face? Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow, yes. So you you selected this movie, so why don't you kick us off Um, in the scene and... Happily. um, Well, first things first, uh, I don't think I had ever seen a musical before this one and was introduced to it um, at my in-law's house. This is a, a Scrimetti family standard. Um, they can all sing along, and they Is do. this like their Rocky, How- Ro- Rocky Horror Picture Show? 
Yeah, yeah, they yeah. throw things at the screen, they dress up. No, they don't dress I up. I almost said Rocky Howard. A <laughs> <laughs> Ron Howard picture show. Um, yeah. But no, um, and and I'm there now, too. Like, I can... That was when you wrote me to say, like, I'm ready to start. I was actually in the middle of watching other songs from 1776 and singing along by my lonesome wow. up in the office. Because I, I love it. I, I absolutely cannot get enough of it. Um I don't yeah. know if that's exciting or a tragedy. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna declare victory. Um, <laughs> it's it's a great musical. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, the songs are great. Uh, very singalongable. I don't know if I'm sure there's probably some German word that means singalongable, but um, mm. just really fun. Um, you know about the founding of of this uh, nation that I assume most of our listeners are also in. Um, William Daniels is amazing. Uh, Ken Howard is amazing. John Adams. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. William Daniels is is John Adams. Um, you know, it's just it's so perfectly well done. The I would say sort of weirdly enough, you know, um, one of our big characters in the American Revolution is not present. Um, which is George Washington, of course, but he is present through his letters, which keep coming in periodically throughout the film and sort of telling this horrible tale of, you know, we're out of food, we're out of money, people are dying, you know, there's dysentery, there's this, there's that. Um, So he's a character, but we never see him, and he's this um, looming figure that we never quite get to see, which I just, I think is a brilliant move, um, in terms of storytelling and, um, you know, it's, it's and budget and, and, and budget. Yeah. And, you know, um, you, you already have Ken Howard as the like, you know, six foot, whatever gigantic human being that's Thomas Jefferson. You don't need two really tall actors. Right. Um, but it's just, it's a lot of fun, and I think it really does get into um, the thing that I really adore the most about any history, which is, you're talking about people. We have come to view these people as some kind of behemoths, um, you know, magical, genius individuals, godlike creatures, and they're all jerks to one another. I mean, most of it if you go through and, and look at like um, you can read like James Madison's um, diary from like the Constitutional Convention a decade later, these guys were jerks to one another. They hated each other uh, for the most part. I mean, they were friends and people got along, but for the most part, these guys didn't. They weren't there because they were trying to be buddies. They weren't trying to build this like magical utopia. They were trying to build a country that was basically just not England. They just basically didn't want to have control. And I think in some ways, um, you know, the the sins of the fathers have been visited on all of us still. That a lot of the discussions that they're having in this movie are things that we are still dealing with. And I think, um, you know, the, the astute historian would note that there's a large section about slavery in this, uh, in the musical. There's a song about it sung by... Um, uh, the guy who's in like Northern Exposure, and he's like always a lawyer on like one of like the Law and Orders, a Southern actor. I can't remember his name, um, but he's he sings this song about about slavery, and 
Um, you know, it's it's creepy. It's weird. It's well done. Um, and and they really spend some time discussing how the the entire project basically broke down at the point of discussing slavery. And you know, you have to keep in mind the musical's written in the late '60s. The movie's produced in 1971-72. This is fresh history to these guys, to the people making the movie, right? Like this is, you know, the civil rights movement is is within their lifetimes Mm -hmm. at this point so um you know we're obviously fighting different battles now but it's it's such an interesting story to me of how they actually managed in the the musical to actually deal with these issues like they're talking about it in 1776 with the knowledge that they're still dealing with it and i think that's just you know that that's the part of me is like you know, academic geeky scholar that I really enjoy, but then, of course, the other part of me is just like, sit down, John! You know, okay, I won't sing too much, but <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's just, it's fun. You know, they make fun of John Adams all the time. I mean, they, of people they really didn't like, John Adams nobody liked. And and you can just go through, and there's just diary after diary of like, oh, God, what an unbearable jerk. And, you know... The American people sort of agreed the first president that wasn't reelected, you know, to the White House. So, I mean, it's not like people, you know, out there really liked him either. Um, interesting also to mention uh, the other weird footnote for the day, uh, which I'm sure most people will know, is that today is also the death anniversary of Mr. Adams and Mr. Jefferson, um, which has got to be the weirdest historical quirk. Um, you know, around the 50th anniversary that they died on, uh, of, of the holiday, I should say. Um, strange. I mean, what a, what a weird, yeah. um, thing, but I don't know. It's just, uh, it brings up so many great, um, questions that I think we're still dealing with. And also, um, there's a song near the end where, where Adams has this like vision of what, the country can be in this like ideal and and you know uh, we can we can discuss forever and i think part of you know any discussion really is whether we're capable of living up to ideals created by people who weren't themselves some themselves perfect in any way you know um so well yeah i I think it's interesting you know it's there's a gentlemen's or gentlewoman's approach to how we carry on our civic duties. Yeah. And I think, though I don't know, I mean, I'm sure there was plenty of, of pounding of desks and yelling and, and, and that sort of thing, but th- there's this at least romantic notion that there was decorum, there was a lack of ad hominem, you know, there was a tendency towards what George Will, who's one of my favorite writers, I don't always agree with him, but he he refers to as deliberative democracy. Yeah. And and you know, the, the tone of his book is is what you would imagine from George F. Will. But that phrase has always stuck with me. Yeah. I probably read that book 20, 25 years ago. And so that, that, that sense of 
deliberation and and going through the facts and the scenarios and the public policy doctrine and and the like i i think today is such about showboating yeah and and i'm sure they were you know they were trying to get votes back then as well in their own way (laughs) on a much delayed basis but now it's it's instantaneous so whether it's you know Mr. Mitchell or it's Mr. Schumer or whomever, the the the, the assault on the American culture of deliberation and debate, and I won't even say compromise. It doesn't have to be compromise. Although I think, you know, certainly as you hear President Biden, he he talks about all the work he did with compromise. I think sometimes compromise just dilutes everything, right? You know, in particular, if if you're strong to strongly aligned with one side or the other, and and this movie, which, as I recall, I saw for the first time probably within the first ten years of its release, so. uh, probably in middle school like 1981 82 right when you were born and uh and then apparently um we saw it together i don't remember this that was probably 20 years ago yeah 15 years ago yeah probably somewhere in that range yeah and i i don't remember all of it uh i do remember some of these songs i went back and and as you do it seems <laughs> I did listen to a couple of the songs and it, it it has a place in the American film sphere yeah. as a very unique telling of and, and as you read the Wikipedia entry and, and things like that n- not always on, on point and factually bound uh, in the movie, but you know that—that's what happens when things go to Hollywood, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Well, I and I think um, it's kind of actually what the the quote. I don't know uh, which will end up going with the title for this episode, but uh, the quote that I was thinking of when it when I was trying to think of an episode today is is that opening line of his or close to opening. Uh, there's a scene before it, but uh, we, we cut that. But he's got this great sort of, it's a joke, but he's totally serious, which is, you know, one one lazy man is a disgrace, two are a law firm, and three are a Congress. Three or more, and yeah. Three or more. And it's, it's we have, re- it, it, you know, I keep thinking to myself, oh, we've reached this point. And it's like, no, Adams was dealing with the same thing. These guys did not want to do anything they didn't want to struggle they were all i mean you got to keep in mind these are all wealthy white landowners who were all pretty comfortable uh more than uh, you know two-thirds of them owned slaves <laughs> uh so they never worked a day in their lives to quote uh, the great uh, jamie lee curtis in uh, trading places um you know these guys are the the most comfortable people in the colonies they don't want to move they don't want to do anything and meanwhile people out in the public are struggling right they're the ones that are actually dealing with these taxes they're the ones that are actually struggling and you know ultimately in the next 
uh, you know, six, seven years, they're the ones that are going to give their lives to this cause. And, um, you know, we're, we're in that, that situation doesn't change, right? That the, the people who have the power, the ones that are, are quote unquote elected officials are very comfortable to sit and do nothing because they're the ones who are, they're there because they've been benefiting all along. Um, you know, uh, not to name names, Mitch McConnell, but he can afford to shut everything down because his wealth come and his power comes from doing nothing and comes from shutting everything down and making sure that as government does less and less, private enterprise does more and more. And, and that's their M.O. I mean, that's that's where they keep their power and they they make money off of it so uh it's not that the situation is changed or worse or better it's the same we're having the same struggles and we're constantly in the situation i was just thinking you were talking about uh, george will and um one of the things i was thinking of is if you look at the back of a dollar bill there's a pyramid on the back and that pyramid is incomplete and the reason they chose that symbol um, for the back of our, our, you know, for one of our many symbols, um, is it's incomplete because we're supposed to keep working on it. And, uh, you know, I, I believe this strongly. We've talked about it on this podcast that I, I believe an, an educational system is designed to make sure that we're capable of continuing to work on it. And, you know, we're not. And, and one of the reasons is that the people who, again, benefit from all that are perfectly happy to do nothing. Um, so, you know, where's the where's the the mechanism by which we make that change? And I, I don't really feel like that's elections. Um, and I, you know, these guys kind of had the right idea, ultimately, that that the ultimate way was to say, no, we're not going to take this anymore, and we're, you know, sort of tongue-in-cheek here, I'll say, we're willing to put the lives of people lesser than us on the line to do it, right? You know, Adams never went out there. Uh, John Dickinson, who was sort of painted as the villain of the film, um, wasn't at all, of course. They just, that was sort of a thing that they did for the purpose of telling a story, but uh, he was the only one of those people who really went out and actually, like, led soldiers and, and risked his life in some ways. I mean, as much as one ever does. Um, so it's, it's you know, again, the struggle continues. And, um, you know, I, I think we have this built-up, imagined history um, that I think the, the musical, hilariously enough for a musical, does a really good job of actually trying to to break apart a little bit and say that these were people who were just happened to be at an extraordinary moment of time, or it seems extraordinary to us now. Um, and, and the, the struggle has to continue. We have to keep working. And I think to some extent that we're, you know, pretty happy for the most part, letting things just go. Um, and it, it takes a character in this case, like Adams, who, who, and, and others, there's a lot of others, um, who actually bring the moment to crisis, um, to actually push for the kind of change that is necessary in a society to keep moving forward. Um, because otherwise the, the easy thing is to do nothing. 
It's always the mm. easiest thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I feel like the, the message of the, the musical, I think the message of these people was keep working. It's not going to be perfect. Things are going to change. Things are going to come about. We have to keep working. Um, you know, and, and I, I certainly, that's, you know, part of my, I think, sort of central motivation in, in teaching. It's it's why I do. I mean, it, it may seem sort of frivolous in a lot of ways. Um, but, you know, that's that's sort of, that's very central to me um, as, as a person, as an adult now, that that's really important to me. Well, I, I think that, you know, you know, it's curious, even back then there were some fundamental, that there was groundwork, you know, exposed in terms of where we were going yeah. from an ideological perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And so the whole concept of states' rights versus federalists and, and, and so forth and so on now made, you know, even more familiar and popular by you know Hamilton and 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 other works in the in the popular art scene and and so the what I struggle with is what have we learned Mm. right and and so schools or no schools, public or private, it, it doesn't matter in, in, in my book anyway, is that we forego the concept or the, the place setting of, well, in order to run and, and create a, a more perfect union, you got to be able to think, <laughs> and and unfortunately, again, whether you're getting it from the private stores or the public trough, you know, we're not taught to think. We're taught to come up with a solution. We're taught to come up with an efficient, an effective path to some outcome, and you know whether it be for profit or nonprofit or government affairs or whatever it happens to be the 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 thought of thinking doesn't exist one might argue or assert that these men in those days were the brightest probably not true but but let's assume for now that they were and that they had some sense of how to think through an argument, how to create a position, how to put that forward necessarily without daggers drawn, right? And again, I, I, I think that that probably existed as well to some extent, but it wasn't the type of vulgar display of of combativeness and partisanship that you see now. And perhaps I'm wrong. Maybe they had as, you know, halting uh, debates and skirmishes. It just, because the media presence obviously was so different back in 
the late 1700s and early 1800s that the speed by which the communication was put forth and the details came out and even you know how much of that is actually archived I, I got to imagine that they were more decent to one another I, I don't know if that's the case um, you know I think you said at the beginning maybe they weren't but you know did they did they really look at this as their role in in starting something in being the founders they knew they but by, by this time they understood that they would have a place in history and they took that seriously and or maybe it all just came back to just everyday run-of-the-mill greed you know we have our property we have our state's rights to protect we have those citizens and those votes to continue to garner and 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 keep loyal perhaps it's as easy as that you know they were just as shallow and <laughs> and uh stereotypical congress folks as we have today just wore different clothing and you know <laughs> wore their hair a little different uh certainly but but the makeup is still very much the same um yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a mix um, to the extent that I, I think one thing that they recognized um, that you know, if you go through and read your read your Federalist Papers, uh, which you know put every AP U.S. history student to sleep, no doubt. Um, you know, between that, I think the movie actually touches on this. There is a recognition that uh, the the great Franklin quote, of course, uh, one of the great things that the, the writers of this musical did was they threw in all those just lame Franklin quotes for fun. And, and they make fun of him for it. You know, Adams is like, oh, my God, like, stop. Um, but but the the knowledge that they if they did not you know, hang together, they were going to hang separately, right? The idea that if they did not work together, that there was there was a lot more risk to failure without working together. And I think we have lost that. Um, we are so wrapped up, you and me both. Um, you know, I, I don't say that we're above this in any way. Um, we are so wrapped up in this country. And I, I would say wider than that. I'm just, I don't want to speak to anybody else's experience mm -hmm. of me. What do I want? What are my needs at this moment? Rather than thinking in any kind of collective form. And I think that as much as these guys were greedy, as much as they were jerks, I think there was a lot of understanding that if we do not do this together, if, if, if South Carolina decides that they don't want to split off, we are screwed. We cannot do this without every single person, every single entity on this side of the water um, agreeing together to do this and and you know even still we know now that there is you know quite a large percentage of people that did not want to leave um, you know there there's you know still debate um, among scholars on whether or the the guys that voted for it really believed it or not or thought hey, worst case scenario, towards the end, I'll just jump to the other side and it'll be fine, you know? Um, you know, we have situations like Benedict Arnold who decided it was going to go the wrong way and, 
you know, attempted to, to hand over the plans to, to West Point. So, I mean, it's it's a struggle, and I think to some extent that, like, we just, um, you know, have have figured out um, in, in a negative way um, that we can survive on our own to some extent. And it's not true. Um, it's, it's, a it's an illusion. This kind of individuality is, is an illusion. And I think that, um, it, it's one that is very beneficial to people in power, right? If you can create, um, division among people, you can stop them from ever collectively rising up against you. And I think that that is the, the primary, uh, that that's not even related to just the American Revolution, but that is every political struggle um, across. You know, uh, the struggle of history is the you yeah. know uh, thing. Um, not to get too much into it, but this week I watched uh, Gandhi, which yeah. I had not seen since Dad and I watched it when I was in high school. Um, and of course, now adult me with all his you know left-wing rabble rabble um was watching and thinking what a powerful country it would have been um not that it not that it hasn't had its positive economic uh you know whatnot um had india managed to keep its sides together if they had could have managed in that moment to get over the religion aspect and had a united subcontinental country, um, it would be unstoppable. I mean, it would be where China is now in our discourse, that it would be all but unstoppable as an economic powerhouse. And the British knew. The British knew if they could keep people infighting that they would never be in a position to fight against them. And I think history has borne that out, right? Mm-hmm. That, that India is so busy fighting against, you know, a plot of land in northern India. You know, is it Pakistan? Is it India? Is it Pakistan? You know, they're so busy over that obsession that they're they're really keeping themselves from benefiting more widely. And I think we have the same struggles here. And we, we keep creating these, well, we don't create them on an individual level i think most of the time if you go and talk to somebody who you think is going to be you know completely different politically is going to be this ist or that ist most people tend to in interpersonal communication get along it's that we create sort of these versions of one another uh, in order to keep ourselves separated, and it, and it keeps us from from finishing the pyramid or, or putting on the next level of it. And it's again, it is it is the struggle of human history. It is we are in this struggle forever until you know the the sun expands and, and no one ever knows we were here. Um, no, we'll be gone by. We'll be gone before. We'll be gone. Yeah, yeah. Which is we'll, which no, is, uh, we'll all be gone before then because at yeah. some point. You know, I think it's it's inevitable that we we yeah we digress to a point, devolve to a point where we just absolutely it's already there. Yeah. It's just not formalized. It hasn't got the the structural components that it needs to happen. But we'll 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 do ourselves in well before that. Uh, I, I suspect. 
and you know it, it you know depending on what you believe that's kind of written out there already that that kind of recycling of uh, you know through the process of birth and life and death that that just kind of happens so i mean we see it with night to day day to night you know it just things recycle over and over again so i think that's going to happen you know the so the you know the experiment in its 245th year five more years until 250 i don't know what that's called sequicentennial i think i don't know i have no idea maybe not i don't know uh, and you know it it'll be interesting to see where we are then you know i mean that'll be what will that be 2026 so we'll be yeah. in the midterm elections <laughs> believe it or not yeah in five years uh lord knows what's going to happen in 2024 lord knows what's going to happen in 2022 uh, 2022 yeah that 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 could be a, a make or break year for whichever party and so it, it it's going to be interesting you know i i think there is this that we can say that the Constitution, which came, what, 87, 1787? Yeah. And has been, you know, because <laughs> it, it is the way it is, you know, is quite malleable. Yeah. But it, but it has allowed this sort of give and take and compromise. and But I think that that is now slowly changing as well given the courts and 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 things like that and so i think that that's going to be a pitched battle which again i think the gentleman in that room in philadelphia foresaw but they knew they couldn't solve for every issue yeah and so therefore they had to create a flexible document as one we know as our constitution and so but it'll be interesting to see how much more energy is taken, how much more it's rewritten to serve whichever party. I'm not choosing sides here, uh, but whichever party wants to rewrite what's in that document, you know, it's going to be interesting, and I think it's going to it's going to have an impact on certainly American culture and for that global culture. It's going to have definitely have an impact on American business. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know if I shared this with you, but the amount of communication and energy around all types of causes is just at a fever pitch, right? Yeah. And I won't go into details about which company or what, whatever, but yeah. it's at, it's at like a fever pitch. And and you, you look out and you try to imagine, well, this is what folks are saying within the company. How do they really act outside the company and, and things like that? And, and, you know, it makes you wonder how much of it is true to form or again just some level of of show or you know public relations i'm sure it's it's a combination of both 
Because I think at the end of the day, American business, which has become probably the loudest voting block, doesn't oh, want yeah. anything to disrupt their ability to continue to grow, be profitable, and, you know, <laughs> for many still still serve a product or, or, or service to their, to their customers. Yeah. But that's become, you know, I don't know now that we're talking about it, whether the founding fathers saw that happening to the extent that they were in, in still in a very sort of ag- agrarian yeah. economy and, you know, the, this, the Industrial Revolution was yet to happen. And so I don't think they saw that. And, and what we're seeing today is definitely a very, very large voting block in terms of power, maybe not in numbers, but certainly in power and in wealth, driving on both sides. I don't think either side is without blame in terms of no. the, the handouts they've taken and so forth and so on. Absolutely not. Yeah. So it, it'll be interesting. You know, I, you know who, who knows how long either one of us will be here, but... You know, let's let's call it twenty, twenty-five, thirty years, whatever. Yeah, it's hard to imagine. That's the same amount of time that I've kind of been in the adult phase. It, you know, again, nobody knows, but let's assume it's twenty-five to thirty years. That's another. It's like the second half. Yeah. Of that adult phase, which I'm sure the last five of it I won't remember anyway. Sure. But ideally, so <laughs> it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, uh, we've we've never shied away from too many topics here, but I, I mean, I think we're in the middle of the central struggle of our time, which is how to deal with a changing environment. Um, we, we have, um, you know, I, there are going to be listeners who disagree with this, but I think the idea that we have manipulated our environment and our climate to an extent that is now dangerous... Um, is undeniable. I mean, if you, if, you know, out, out of ideology and into science, um, you know, we, we have changed our, uh, you know, the, we have affected the place where we live and it is reacting against us. And um, we've known it for a long time and we've done basically nothing. Um, we, we, we talk about recycling, which is a lovely idea, but that again, puts the onus on chain of change on us as individuals to do things. And it is not that kind of active activity that we need. We need big sweeping changes. Um, hilariously enough, I was watching 30 rock earlier and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's two episodes with Al Gore who, um, you know, uh, by all accounts should have numerically been the uh, president of the United States. And um, he says, you know, he's like, all these these small changes are great, but we need to to write our legislator, you know, our people in power and write them and tell them to do something. And the problem is that the people that make the money off of the, the system as it is are the ones that are doing all the writing. They're the ones doing all the contacting, and they're the ones that have the power to actually be in touch with our representatives. Um, and and that you know 
that's going to come to a breaking point, and I suspect it will come to a breaking point within our lifetimes because I do not see how that uh, dynamic just goes on forever. Um, and, Which and, is a nice reference to another movie about politics, American President, where Lewis Rothschild says about Senator Rumson, well, he's the only one doing the talking, you know? Exactly. And and that and that is, you know, again, not not picking sides here, which my brother is famous for, but the <laughs> whoever, you know, the, the, what is it, the squeaky wheel? I yeah, forget. Get, the, gets, gets the, the grease. Yeah, gets the grease, and so, yeah. you know, I think that it, it's it's very easy on either side to make emotional. stabs or you know uh put out emotional lures to draw people in and 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 that's ultimately the problem you know you go back to learning when did anyone ever teach us how to think and not be controlled by our emotions and become these you know i don't even know how to describe it and and, and and that's not suggesting in any way that I'm I'm some sort of intellectual giant. That's not it at all. The 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 reality is is we we as a as a nation, you know, all the STEM and all the literary arts and fine arts and everything else. I think fundamentally, and and that's what I think part of the the Constitution and and that whole framework is about is to protect us from ourselves. Well, sure. we all knew it was going to change, right? They, they probably knew it was going to change. They just didn't see by how much. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, I, I agree with that. And I, I, I pick sides, but I, I will say here that, you know, I, I don't really consider myself a Democrat either. Uh, if that's the kind of, you know, thinking, I, I do think they're both to blame. I think everyone who's in power is, is, there to be blamed um because there's always uh, there's there's one party and it is a party of profit generation uh, as far as i'm concerned and and if that's the side uh, i am not on that side and uh I, I i think you're right i think to some extent we the the constitution was designed as a method of um being above those sorts of petty squabbles in some ways. And of course, some parts of it are, are um, nods to the, I, I think the entire Bill of Rights is basically a response to a hissy fit, right? Um, so it's it's more or less, uh, they were they were having to give in almost right away um, to, to those kinds of emotional things. It was very easy, I think, in the summer of 1787 to say, okay, well, what do we need and what are the best ways to get there and then once they actually have to start using it, the the thing falls apart, you know. Um, so I, I think to an extent you're you're absolutely right. Um, and and I think to, you know uh, we're we're gonna get to a point where people are gonna have to start doing some talking. Um, to to go back to American president that that we cannot allow the people that simply benefit endlessly to be the only ones who are doing the talking. Hmm. Um, but it's I an think, ideal state yeah. for sure. That's an ideal yeah. state. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, that's again, that's the thing that the the founders, um, for for all of their 
magnificence um, knew that we were going to have to keep working on it. And, um, you know, I think we, we decide of our generation that we're not doing it, but to an extent we are. Um, and I think we're going to, we're, we have to keep doing it. That's, that's our obligation um, to one another. Um, yeah. But uh, I think maybe it's time for the question then. And yeah, I have one. Don't worry. Um, you mentioned um, five years from now, it'll be the 250th anniversary mm. of, uh, of this nation state that we're uh, a part of. Um, to, to call you old, A, um, and to be, would be kind accurate. Of, would be <laughs> accurate. Um, but <laughs> also kind of just out of curiosity, what are your memories of the bicentennial? Oh. Uh, uh very few memories uh i think we went to downtown to see the bicentennial parade i think yeah so at that point we would have been living in smyrna georgia yeah Yeah. as it was affectionately known amongst the daisies (laughs) uh and and um You know, obviously, Carter was not yet elected. Yeah, so it was so Jerry the election Ford. Would, yeah, yeah, Gerald Gerald R. Ford uh, was was president, but I was six, so I don't remember a great deal of it. I'm trying to think. I would have been in. Oh gosh, I can't. I can. I can't even remember her name. My first grade teacher. Uh, I remember my second great teacher's name, Frana Barger. That's a great name. <laughs> yeah, it's a great name. And I can vividly see her, but I do not remember my first uh, great teacher's name. I, but I was, we were living um, in, in Smyrna, and I, I remember it being a very different time. I, I don't remember that much about 1976. Yeah. But it was a, and I, I often speak about it in this, in this, in these terms, is that you could sense in the air when there was a certain stillness in the economy and in the in the country. So whether it was Thanksgiving or Christmas or, you know, at that time there was there was still you know very much uh, the the Easter weekend was celebrated. Uh, by both Catholics and Protestants, and and so there was a there was a certain stillness and a certain calm that nowadays is just you know if this is what our independence got us this sort of frenetic pace wanting to outdo ourselves which is great it's very noble you know to continue you, you don't want to be complacent. But, you know, we're running in a half a million different directions and, and trying to make it all. And we look at that and go, well, that's, gosh, that's independence. And that's the the hallmark of the human race. I, I don't know if that's, again, going back to the movie and what the, what the founding fathers intended. I, I don't know if that is what they intended. And... Uh, you know, I, it's impossible biologically and otherwise to try to figure that out from them, right? In in terms of what they, <laughs> what they, back then, what they could have foreshadowed, and and so, but 
but that was what I remember of the mid seventies. You know, I had been to India once by then. I had forgotten a language, which I relearned. And so, you know, it was a, you remember little things, Amish, it's the strangest. I remember going to a book fair and buying some things, bringing them home. I think we talked about it in an earlier program. And I still remember that incident and, and, uh, and, and, and several others as if they happened yesterday, which I, I don't know what that, What, what the expectation about my my mind going forward? Well, why do you remember these little things and not you know the totality of everything else that no, happened? No. Yeah, it's not. It's never like that. Don't yeah, worry. It, it's 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 strange. <laughs> you know what 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 actually shows up in the final edit of one's life? It it's it it's really incredible and and so but yeah that's what i remember of 1976 i'm even trying to remember like where would we have gone on vacation you know was that the year that we were headed to like panama city and my my and our mother uh asked the but back then by the way everything was full service fuel right there was no self-service and so you had someone you know that you know would would pump your gas for you and they would check your oil and then they would clean the windows and all kinds of things and of course you know fuel tanks back then were like 25 gallons <laughs> at a minimum so it was like and, and you got like it's eight like gallons process. so like you know on on a ride from atlanta to panama city which by the way there was no i-75 south of like henry county you it was all back roads until i think it picked back up maybe south of i-10 and you know, I, I remember mom asking the gas attendant, uh, the you know, to to fill it up. I don't know if you've ever heard this story. I, I have, but I think it'd be great <laughs> for listeners. Yeah. He didn't understand her, right? Parents are both immigrants from India, and and so I chimed in and said, "She wants you to fill it up," and he's like, "Oh," and and I think that that. In, in some ways speaks to our own independence, you know, of what our parents chose to do. And so there's lots of things in the 70s that I've forgotten, but I, I, I know were impactful when it comes to my own life, yours even. Uh, you were born, you know, in the early 80s. And so, but I, 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 I wonder what, 250 is going to be like. Mm. Sit down, Arp. Sit down, Arp. For God's sakes, Arp, sit down. This podcast is hosted by Anchor and available through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Spotify, or pretty much wherever you get podcasts.